outside the tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. (laughs) We are your fearless co-hosts. Of outside the tank, yeah, I, I, have, be here. I have no fear. This is the easiest thing we do. It's it, <laughs> it, it, it's by far the easiest thing we do. It's, so it's nice to have a break from all of the Zoom calls that we have, <laughs> running and building your own after another. But Zoom it's hell. But it's fun. <laughs> well, and you can talk to a lot more people on Zoom than you can driving around. So it's uh, changed our it's changed our life. It's changed our business. Some people say maybe not for the better. Um, we would debate that. We still have some in-person meetings once in a while, but you don't have to drive around, sit in traffic, try to find a parking spot. It, it, you really could talk to and meet uh, a lot more people, have great conversations, and a lot more of them. Well, that's the thing. It's created so many opportunities to meet new people. And so if you know, you're listening to this, I, I hope you've already done this, but make sure to take advantage of the fact that people are a lot more accessible than they were a year and a half ago. You can get people's attention through social media and LinkedIn and email. You can schedule a 30-minute Zoom call with them. It's been amazing how many people we've gotten to meet and talk to um, that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. And something you do that I love, you'll send someone instead of a a flatline email, you'll send them a quick little Loom video to get their attention. Yeah, Loom, L-O-O-M. It's just a great tool where you can send a quick little video. Um, That video can be just you. It could be just your screen or the, the coolest feature is when it's your screen plus it's you in the corner in a little circle and you're able to get someone's attention, share something, walk them through something, whatever it might be. So it's a great sales tool. It's a great outreach and prospecting tool. And, you know, a little bit of creativity and a little bit of being different can really uh, help you stick out in a crowd. And I think there's not many things you and I are good at, but prospecting is one of them. <laughs> we're, we're just kind of prospecting junkies. And so uh, getting people's attention, identifying the right people to talk to, um, you know, being able to get them on calendar for a 30-minute Zoom call, it's amazing who you can meet. It's amazing what can happen from those conversations. So pivot, take advantage of things. And you're off and running. Yeah, it's a great people. Absolutely. So we're here to talk about Drew Zirkle of Safety Nailer. Uh, season 11, episode 16, which is March 20th of 2020. Now, he comes into the tank asking for $100,000 in exchange for 14%. The, the safety nailer is really what you think it is, which is uh, the opportunity to safely nail something without breaking your fingers. <laughs> and it's someone that tries to do things around the house. You or me? You. Oh, yes, I do. And consistently hurts yourself. I have some tools. Yeah. Well, you have have a chainsaw. You have some tools, (laughs) and you typically hurt yourself when you try to use them. So I think this could be something that would be helpful for you. I have already purchased the safety nailer. 
Now, here's what's cool about this. The first 2,000 of these things, they make by hand. Yep. Wow. Uh, 3,000 of them did not turn out. The, 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 I guess the original the prototype. The original prototype was made out of an old retainer mold. <laughs> so it's interesting because, you know, there are no barriers to entry to creating something. Uh, you know, you can melt down a retainer and turn it into a mold that becomes the prototype for a product that you're on Shark Tank pitching. Yeah, that's absolutely. the beauty of entrepreneurship and the beauty of really all these cool people these, that we're talking to. All these great companies that are born out of an idea. You walk in your garage, you make a prototype. and uh, so they 100%, have, 14%, yeah. they make their pitch, then what? Um, Mr. Wonderful, he, uh, because Drew wasn't full-time in the business, he was out pretty quickly. Uh, Rohan loved the product, was thinking about licensing, was thinking that Lori might be the right person. Uh, Barb was out pretty quick. Barbara uh, really thought the product lacked sexiness. I think she, she kind of missed how practical it was. Uh, Cuban uh, actually thought it, it wasn't a company. It was just a product, maybe too early for him. But Lori made an offer. Uh, it was a license play. I think it was with Mark Cuban, if I recall. And uh, they accepted the offer. Don't know whether the deal went through or not, but that's the way we left it. Okay. So let's get into our interview with Drew of Safety Nailer. All right, we're here with Drew from Safety Nailer. Drew, really excited to hear about the uh, the business, the update, all the fun stuff. So uh, let's first of all, thanks for joining us, and and let's start from the top. Where did the idea for Safety Nailer initially come from? Well, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me here, guys. Um, so Safety Nailer started from my friend, uh, actually a. Uh, my friend in college, he had invented and actually received a patent on the safety nailer uh, product. <clears throat> and long story short, uh, after college, he went back into the military. He was uh, he was a naval officer, and he became sick, and we lost touch. And ten years after college, uh, I called him up to uh, to check on him and see how he was doing, and. Uh, went up to his house. He lives about 45 minutes away from me. And he showed me this crude prototype that he made out of a retainer mold and um, a patent and was like, yeah, you know, look at this that I had. And I said, well, what did you do with it? And he said, nothing. You know, I became real sick and, and had to uh, medically retire out of the Navy. And he just said he'd given up on the idea. So that's when I said, well, hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's go into business here and, and put this thing on Kickstarter. And uh, one thing just led to another. And and then here we are. So it's kind of a crazy story. That was three years ago, I guess. So well, and I was going to say, this is one of those products where how did nobody come up with, right? That's what I'm thinking <laughs> as I'm watching it. I'm, how did someone not come up with something? The fact that you were able to create it and you were able to get a patent on it. So that's my question. How is something like this not already in existence? Uh, you know, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. It's kind of what I thought when I first saw it. You know, it's not obviously for for the pro, but us do-it-yourselfers, you know, we're always struggling, you know, with nails or screws. And, and you know, because we don't, we don't do that every day. Um, 
you know, there's a couple products that are similar out there. I think most of them are around this idea of, you know, holding kind of like a pair of pliers and holding the nail or screw with that. And, you know, this idea, you know, Dan really wanted to not only make it safer, but, um, you know, he, he wanted the nail or the screw to be held in place. So that's where, you know, our, our product actually utilizes, uh, some, some magnets that, uh, that work really good for that. And then the strap that allows you to hold it to your hand. So you're not holding a set of pliers. Um, so yeah, super clever. Um, and, and we ended up making the second product, the finish nailer, which is the smaller model for the smaller nails and screws. Um, because we received so much feedback from people, you know, wanting another model for the really tough finish nails. Uh, so we made that one. Well, and every time my, uh, colleague here uh tries to diy some stuff at home i can tell because on monday he comes in either holding his arm or limping or bandaged or something so anything to make the uh you know the the, the backyard a little safer for joe i'm certainly a proponent of backyard or the garage yeah i know the feeling i mean as a as a do-it-yourselfer i i'm always you know uh hitting my hand or something the worst is when you're holding a screw and it flips off and you run you know the the drill on your like into your thumb you know and puncture your thumb that that never feels good because <laughs> you're trying to hold the screw for you drew on on just the manufacturing process you guys went out and bought uh an injection mold machine and you made the first 2000 products by hand then what happened <laughs> well we made about 5,000 of them, but only 2,000 of them came out good. Um, yeah, so we were, yeah, there's a reason why injection molding is not done with a benchtop machine and, uh, uh, you know, in your basement, so to speak. Uh, we were finding that, like, just a little bit of change in temperature, like air temperature and humidity, the machine would start acting up. And I kid you not, you know, we had a toaster oven with mittens, and um, we were taking the molds and heating them up because we you know couldn't keep the temperature right on the mold to get the product the plastic to flow properly so you know a bench top machine is really is really good for you know just someone just playing around with injection molding and and doing really small stuff it's not not too great for obviously mass production so that's what really led us to to sourcing um tooling overseas and and um and, and that specialty work overseas um, it's, it's still, there's still a lot of eject, injection molding in the U S but unfortunately it's, it's very expensive and it's done at a, at a level that is, um, you know, very, very large mass production. And when you're first starting out your business, you know, you, you don't need to run a hundred thousand units, obviously, um, cause you don't have the demand yet. At what point in the process, uh, did you utilize Kickstarter and could you tell us just a little bit about how you utilize them, how that uh, rolled out for you. Yeah, so we we started with Kickstarter because the idea was, okay, we've got a product, you know, we're going to kind of create this business, but we don't know if anything will sell. So the thought process was, okay, well, if we put this on Kickstarter and we can raise at least half the money that we knew we were going to have to sink into the injection molded benchtop machine, the tooling for that machine and then the plastic and parts we figured okay that that would be worth our time to to proceed 
to the next phase of this business venture. So that's, that's how we utilize Kickstarter. And it ended up, I mean, I wouldn't say we crushed it. We, we raised $9,000. Um, so we were successfully funded, which allowed us to, to move to the next phase of, uh, of our, our venture, so to speak. More importantly, you, you proved uh, concept. You proved that there was a need and a desire for the product out there, which I think is probably as important as the yeah. So then, yep, how did that's you, correct. So then how did you end up on Shark Tank? Did they find you on Kickstarter or did you apply for the show? <clears throat> well, so they actually reached out to us about, uh, I think it was around six months after Kickstarter. So they found us from Kickstarter and we we told them about everything we had going on and we were at the time trying to work with Ace Hardware. And so they said, Hey, um, sounds like you guys aren't quite ready to come on the show. Um, you know, so fill out an application. You, you can, you can wait and reach back out to us like, you know, six months or a year later. So that's actually what we did. We, we reached back out to them and, um, and filled out an application but they found us from Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, it was interesting on, on the show. I thought that was just one of the oddest deals. <laughs> um, just <laughs> three of them, you know, 50% down to 33%. It was kind of an odd pairing. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was, it was interesting how that all came together. Um, what can you tell us about the deal? Did it go through? Are you still in talks? Are you not able to share anything? Where, where are you at with that? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we aired in, I guess this last March and I went on the show the, the, um, the fall before that. So I think it was around, um, uh, September of, I guess that would be, uh, well, that's 2019, right? Um, so yeah, so our deal, um, we were still talking to them you know, with all three of the sharks, uh, after, after we, after I went on the show. So through, through, um, um, the holiday season and, uh, leading up to the show, but unfortunately our deal did not go through, um, which was a big, you know, bummer at the time, but ultimately, uh, everything kind of just worked out. So we're still in business and we're still doing well. So, Good. um, you know, we're just, we're just blessed to, we're still kicking, you know, especially after COVID. I've also never seen anyone pull out a different product that had nothing to do with the initial <laughs> product mid after two sharks were out. Well, hold on, it. hold on. They I got the clacker and all of a sudden Mark, Mark piqued his interest. That was great. So yeah, tell us, tell us what your mindset was on that one. <laughs> well, okay. So, all right. So, you know, we are, we're both in me and Dan are engineers. His wife is a uh, you know, business degree and then, my wife uh, works in physical therapy. That's our team. Um, but, you know, we're inventors, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. That's what we do. We invent and we, we try this, you know, we're, we're, we've moved from invention into, you know, trying to be a manufacturer, right. And trying to sell our product. Um, it's really difficult to do. Um, but, you know, as inventors, you can't control what you invent, right you just get ideas and then you decide whether you think those ideas are good. So we actually had more than we had a couple more products and prototypes, but we had to, vet, they had to get vetted and Newton spindle, which is the clacker, the anti-clacker, whatever you want to call it. 
was one of the products that got vetted that I was allowed to bring on the show. So my thought process was, was like, man, if this goes south, I'm going to put the new, you know, hit the nuke button and pull out the clacker and just pray that something happens. And that's what was happening. Everything was going south. And so I hit the nuke button and things started going north. <laughs> so it was good. Well, and, you know, the interesting thing, obviously, you know, the deal didn't go through, but you never know if you would not have pulled that out. Your pitch may have not been interesting enough in their eyes to even make air. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you, exactly. You made the right decision by pulling that out because it was probably, oh, hey, you know what? That's actually really funny. And we'll put that on TV. <laughs> and you ended up with, you know, on TV a deal. So it's a good thing you did, not just because yeah, of that deal. I could see, I could see Drew in your head. You're thinking, okay, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Now it's <laughs> going to throw the Hail Mary. Joe, if we ever go on Shark Tank, we have to have a second idea in our yeah. back pocket just in case. <laughs> some, create some, yeah. you know, some stupid thing that you can pull out of your um, All right. So you guys air March of 2020, obviously a lot going on in the world at that time. Tell us the first, you know, couple days following airing. Did you get hit with a bunch of orders? How did life change for you and for the business? Yeah, you know, so leading up to that, you know, you don't really know if you're going to air on Shark Tank. Um, you don't find out in enough time if you're going to have to be able to, to really buy inventory. So, you know, we had to make a calculated decision when, when the deal didn't go through. We were like, all right, well, there's a high chance we might air. And so we, we bought inventory the most that we were willing to risk. <clears throat> and it was crazy, man. Um, after the show aired, we, we sold out of Amazon Prime within like minutes. And then we were getting orders from our currently from Amazon that wasn't Prime. And within like a day and a half, we had to, we had to shut it down because we were, you know, we were just out of inventory between that and our website. And um, we just got overloaded basically with, with orders and then obviously emails from, from people. And, and uh, then that, that, that spike obviously then dies off and, uh, and you're kind of left with like kind of a new, um, a new floor on your sales is what we've, what we've seen following that. So it was great. I mean, it worked out great for us. It was super stressful, but, uh, but we couldn't ask for anything better. Yeah, ultimately the exposure and, you know, goodwill of that being able to establish a new floor and, and have that out there is incredible. Uh, we hear that yeah. so many times. We're, we're guessing on that inventory. We just don't know. Will we air? Will we not? Horrible. <laughs> so yep. walk us through what the update is. What's happened since the show aired? You know, where are you at with products, distribution, growth, all that fun stuff? Yeah, so um, since the show aired, we've got um, what we've got now, the framing nailer, which is the main product, the finish nailer. Uh, we've got a third product, the carpenter pencil sharpener and holder, which is another patented product we, we've launched on Amazon. And then we've got our two Newton spindles, which is the clacker. We have that selling on Amazon. <clears throat> so we took we took all you know those products all to market. Um, and we also, we've got a product that we're getting ready to take to market this year called Modern Tray, which is a unique uh, sponge holder that's a self-draining sponge holder that suctions to the top of your kitchen sink, um, to the counter, um, which we're pretty excited about. We're going to bring that to market. 
And then um, we've also got a product that we're working on that's uh, that we're going to bring to market. It's a, we call it the beach bundler, but it's basically a beach towel and a tote combined. It's a pretty unique product that we filed a patent on uh, last year. So we're sourcing on that product and, and we're excited to get that to market this year. And then we have a third product that we're currently designing um, that we call Spider Lock. It's a, it's a unique product for, um, you know, basically for like Hydro Flask and Yetis. Um, don't want to talk too much about it, but we filed a patent on that. And we're planning to launch that hopefully mid to, to late this year. So, yeah, I mean, with with the, the airing, we were able to really, you know, basically reinvest the money into the business and launch more products. I was curious, Drew, uh, at time of uh, airing, time taping, and, and uh, you were not full-time in the business. Are you full-time now? No, I'm still not full-time. Um, <clears throat> Dan's retired, so he, he works some on the business. And then Kristen is, is part-time also um, because she works uh, full-time. And then me and my wife are both also full-time workers outside of the business. So it's, it's still a a part-time uh, endeavor right now. And is the business a business that you're still uh, bootlegging or have you uh, endeavored to raise money for the company? We're still bootlegging. We're still bootlegging. Um, you know, we just, I, I don't think we've had some, some different folks we've, we've talked to and we just haven't found, I think really the right um, opportunity slash partner a partnership that we feel comfortable with. And, you know, that's currently something we're wrestling with is, you know, trying to launch into retail. It does, does take money and it does take full-time commitment. Um, whereas right now we're kind of building that online presence and, and doing that on the side and, and trying to get the, the business profitable, which it is right now, but profitable enough to, to be able to support, you know, uh, us going, one of us going full time and then try to peel off um, is ultimately the goal that we have. Have you had any discussions or made any progress with licensing? Is that something that's on your radar at all? Um, not really. We talked to a couple companies up front about that, and you know the the, the reality on licensing that we found is, is just. For the amount of time, energy, and work that we've put into the company, you know, it just doesn't make sense for us because the return is so low that you get back. Um, so we haven't pursued it any further. Um, that's not to say there isn't a licensing deal out there that could be floated by us that might be, you know, a really good deal. It's just the ones we've had that we've looked at have just not been uh, profitable enough or, or I guess, uh, rewarding enough for us to, to bite on. Is it challenging, not just working with your significant other on, on some of this stuff, but working with another partner and their significant other, has that pre presented any challenges for you or has it been relatively smooth sailing? Um, for the most part, I would say it's smooth sailing. I mean, running a business is hard, you know, when, when you're running part-time and um, you're all trying to work on it. Um, but we've, We've all got families. Uh, Dan and Kristen have three kids. I have two kids. They're all young. And uh, so, you know, I kind of look at it more, you know, we're, we're kind of all a team and we're just trying to move this ship forward, right? And 
there's a lot of things that are out of our control uh, that we can't we can't really do much about, but we can control you know us all working on the business and um, so yeah you know it's tough but for the most part I'd say it's been it's been really smooth sailing. What are some of the key lessons or you know real takeaways you have as an entrepreneur? I mean for those that are listening to this that have an idea or have a business, you know, what are some things you've learned um, as an entrepreneur that you might be able to share? Yeah. So, you know, I will admit that I think to really, really grow the business or grow a business like it needs to be, um, you really do need to be full-time. That's not to say you can't do it part-time, but you know, if I was 20 years old and I didn't have any kids and we had this idea, I think we'd be full-time on it. But fast forward and being in my thirties and two kids and and Dan having two kids, I think it it kind of changes, you know, whether you can jump in full time on it, right? Um, so that's kind of my my first my first uh, advice would be that if you got the opportunity to go full time uh, when you're younger, you know, go get it while you got time, because um, I think that's what it, a lot of businesses take. It takes full time effort. Yeah, you uh, you need a third of the money, and you have three times the time, <laughs> right? It's a lot. It's a lot easier. The monthly the monthly expenses are less, and you have all this time on your hands. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I you know, a quick question: If you did find, and I praise you for um, resisting money uh, from a potential equity partner that's not completely aligned, but if you did. Uh, if God and the universe dropped a partner in your laps tomorrow that was fully aligned with, with your mission uh, and there was uh, several hundred thousand, let's say a quarter million or half a million of um, venture capital dumped in your lap, what would you do with the money and why? Great question. So, <clears throat> well, I think if that's the case, I think we, we, would, we would develop a, you know, a strong, marketing strategy and figure out how we could we could get one of us to go full time on this business um to really take our products and and get them into retail um which i think starts with that that sound marketing strategy slash distribution strategy um got to have the opportunity to get your products out there everywhere right to bring in you know to, to build that bottom line and have that cash flow coming in for the opportunity. Um, so I think that was, that would be where I'd probably start first, uh, with that. Yeah, it makes sense. Final two questions for you. Number one is what's the vision for the company? Cause I think you've, I've lost count, but there's like 14 really cool things that you've come up with. Um, <laughs> a couple more you can't tell these, us about. These guys are the greatest inventors in the world. Oh, I know. I just want to like give them money and say, Hey, create something that we can go sell. Um, what, what is the vision for the company? Like, what's this thing look like in five years? Well, it's, uh, that's something, you know, I've been really trying to spend 2021 to to think about is what, what is this vision? Because one of the problems we have is we are, we're a little bit all over the place, right? We've got these multiple products. None of the, none of the products are all in the same sales channel, right? You don't sell a toy, like you sell a tool, um, you don't sell a tool like you sell a kitchen appliance or something that goes in your kitchen. So, you know, for us, I think the main vision is 
is trying to figure out how to narrow our scope, you know, to get the products we currently have. I think some of them might be one-offs and then trying to take our, our safety nailer line of our products and grow. I think the tool side, the tool business is really where I'm, I'm currently, my vision goes, um, you know, we are a veteran-owned company, and I'd love to see us be one of the biggest veteran-owned tool lines in the United States. I mean, it's a huge goal. Um, it's obviously a, a big goal, and it's going to be a really tough goal. But I think there's there's opportunity to build on our current products, and we've got some other ideas that we can that we can also build on, and and build that tool line. Um, so that's currently vision I see and and I see these other products you know certain ones like I said might be a one-off other ones might might be able to build products around them to build kind of you know maybe smaller companies within our current larger company um, but that is a great question I'm not going to lie that's something we we wrestle with trying to figure out what what to do but as I as I think about all these great ideas you have, that's the good thing about Joe and I is we don't come up with great ideas at all. So so you know, keep us focused. We we have one idea we think is good, and that's what we spend our time on. But you know, there we're not we're not creating fourteen things that are actually great and people would buy. So you're 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 yeah. cursed with the uh, the the trait of creativity. Yeah, it's a curse. It's a curse. It's and um, question for you: What Yo. percentage of the overall revenue of the products that are at market? What percentage of your revenue is the the tool line, the um, uh, safety nailer, and and finished product? What, uh, yeah, the finished nailer, the frame and nail, and the pencil sharpener and holder, right now make up probably I'd say easily ninety percent of our total revenue. You know, we just launched uh, Newton Spindle, so. We're trying to get that up and running and selling um, with reviews, and it, it's a little bit challenging, you know. With any product, you're it doesn't happen overnight. Kind of, you know, you get an influencer or somebody picks it up and they they write something about it. Um, you know, you talk about it like here on a podcast, and and you get some positive reviews, and before you know it, you know, you kind of get the snowball going, and, and you just see the sales kind of slowly uptick. Um, so that's our, our currently most of our revenue comes from our tool line. Gotcha. And then where, where's the best place for people to buy your products and where can they follow you on social media? Yeah. So um, they can buy our products on uh, Amazon. Just, just type in safety nailer. Um, you can also buy, they can also buy it from our website, uh, safetynailer.com. And then they can follow us on Instagram or uh, Facebook at uh, safety nailer. Perfect. Well, we so appreciate this. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. We, we feel when we talk to people like you and and give Dan our best as well, thank him for his service. When we talk to people like you, we feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you guys are smart too. Um, yeah, but I do appreciate it. It's, um, it's been a lot of fun, you know, running, running a business is fun. It's not easy like you guys know. Um but it's super rewarding because you get to meet people like, like yourselves, you know, and that, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're excited to see what all you come up with and, and where the business goes, but 
you're creating really cool products. You're really good guys. And uh, I'm sure only good things will follow. So we, we so appreciate your time and, and thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. We're back with our post game where we break down the conversation, what we learned, what action items an entrepreneur listening this can take inside of their own business. Joe, as always, lead us off. I'll, I'll lead us off with just a, a comment. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, Drew said, I have two other products, but I can't even talk to you guys about my two other products. And that, to me, that's that crazy inventor, creative mind. And I think that's so important to always be thinking ahead. Is there Are there other products that can be spawned uh, within my business? And, and actually, the first nugget was other products. He, he discussed other products that they're developing and selling and that those products came from listening to the customer base, listening very carefully to what customers have to say. Yep. And we hear that over and over again. And I think entrepreneurs that don't seek out input, that don't ask their client what they like formally or informally, it could be done through a survey, it could be done through uh, even an exit strategy when you lose a client. Uh, I think it's a great practice just to say, hey, uh, without you know, without you feeling that I'm trying to um, to resell you back in, just can you give me some open and honest feedback about why you defected and why you left? So I think exit surveys, uh, current client surveys, I think all that stuff is, is so critical. Yeah, don't be don't be afraid to hear things. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes people it's an avoidance thing where oh, well, I don't want to hear negative feedback or I want to just you know go along my day thinking my product's perfect and everyone loves it, but that feedback. That's what makes you better. Don't stick your head in the sand. What's the animal that sticks their head in the sand? I said flamingo the other day, and someone said, no, it's an ostrich. But I don't know. It's some kind of big, giant bird. Don't stick your head in the sand. I thought a dolphin was a shark, so don't ask me. (laughs) Oh, that's a story for another day. Anyway, there's two other things real quickly. Uh, One is that they used Kickstarter to prove concept, which I think is so bright. Such a great tool out there. They use Kickstarter to prove concept, to prove that there was need, uh, the price point was right, et cetera. Yep. You know, one other takeaway I want to share, uh, and, and I think this is a good one for those that are part-time um, in their entrepreneurial endeavor or kind of doing it. Uh, you know, one of the things that was said was really around how it's easier to be all in than partially in. And I just feel like if you have an idea, um, take the leap of faith and be all in it. You know, I think about our business and you and I, I mean, we just, we're constantly thinking about the business, how to make it better, texting each other at four o'clock in the morning, thinking about it, you know, nights and weekends, really obsessing over it. And so when you're so immersed in your business that it's all that you're really focused on, I believe you have a lot more clarity and I think you're a much better entrepreneur. So it's when people dabble and well, I'm going to kind of do this or I'm going to look at doing that. It's like either commit yourself that yes, we are going to create this new product. We are going to go, you know, nuts with it and try to really build it up or, or no, we're not, but it's, it's when you're half in half out a little bit pregnant. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's really, really challenging. So I would just say, you know, if possible, be full time, be all in either do it or don't do it. And, you know, if you can't do it full time, then 
And maybe it could be a hobby or maybe you could just find someone that would buy the patent or buy the product off of you, you know, make a few bucks and go on. But it's like these ideas deserve someone's full-time focus. And when people see you all in, there's a big difference of the resources, the people and the other resources that you will attract to the game. So the power of attraction that comes from being all in, people love that. People want to help you when you're all in. If you're not all in, people sense it, and people are, are less apt to uh, invest themselves and their resources in you. So I think that's a big point as well. The only other thing is, seems like Drew is really, really disciplined and with his markets. He really had a very clear idea. He, he, he isn't prone to chase a lot of shiny business objects. Yep. So great guy, great product, killing it. Another great interview. Yeah, enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to hit subscribe. Make sure to give us those five stars. Uh, we so appreciate you listening and spreading the word about the show. Grab a free book. We've actually written a book, and it doesn't stink. Uh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Entrepreneurial Landmines. And uh, if you want a copy of it for free, go to OutsideTheTank.com. Throw in your email address. You'll get the PDF, uh, electronic copy of the book that you can pop into your Kindle, print out, whatever you want to do there. Or you can listen to the audio book. Now, there's only one issue with the audio book. What? You have to listen to me the entire oh, time. Well, uh, yeah. thank God. I, uh, I love your voices compared to, we all hate our voice on, uh, uh, on, on tape. And, and so I'm glad you did it. Um, now you can go to Amazon and pay for the book, but we want to give you a, a book for free. So go to outsidethetank.com, leave your first name, your email address. That's all the information we need and a free book's on the way. All right. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday on an all new episode of Outside the Tank.